You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Good evening and welcome to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside James Montefusco, Fonz DeFalco, and Kyle Russo. Guys, welcome to the month of June. Hope everyone is doing well. Doing fantastic. Happy June, everybody. Doing good, doing good. Tom, how are you doing? Doing good. All uh, settled back in here in New York and looking forward to getting this show rocking and rolling here tonight. So um, as you can see through our caption, we are doing another episode of Review and Preview Trivia tonight. It'll be me against Fonz. I believe Kyle named me, uh, what was it, Tom the Takeover Scavetta against Fonz the Destroyer DeFalco. So that's going to be very interesting, enticing. Make sure to stay tuned for that. We're going to have that live in just a few minutes. If you want to watch Review and Preview tonight, you can watch us right here on our Facebook live stream, on our Facebook page. Follow us, subscribe us, like us, share this podcast. Review and Preview LIU is our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram at Review and Preview. And if you have any fan questions tonight, please feel free to comment in our stream. And we will try to get back to you as quickly as we can. We also have our um, I'll be commenting as Review and Preview. And follow us on the Anchor, our audio version of this podcast at anchor.fm slash review and preview. That is our audio version. And if you missed some of this tonight, this will be up throughout the whole week. All right. So let's get started. First, we're going to run down and break down some MLB news. We're going to talk about the whole proposal uh, reported by Jeff Passan. Then we're going to go into the trivia. Then we'll talk about the Rangers. We'll have Hank and Dichter on, diehard Rangers fan from Chappaqua, New York. Then we're going to talk about my Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, yes, this is a Bucks jersey. No, it's not Giannis. It's Pat Connaughton. Uh, hold your horses there, folks. Then we're going to talk about the NBA uh, season resuming in about two months from now. And we will also wrap up with the Los Angeles Lakers and maybe have a little debate on LeBron James uh, and his all-time ranking. So the MLB proposed a shorter season where players would be paid in full prorated to the share of their salaries. That was reported by Jeff Passan. Um, the original plan proposed was 82 games. That didn't go through. The rebuttal was 114. That didn't go through. Guys, will there even be a season at this point? No, no, there won't be a season. <laughs> yeah. There won't. There just, there just won't be. Uh, in my personal opinion, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, the MLB they proposed a plan, eighty-two games, in which the players would be making, uh, not nothing, but more than half, less than half of, um, no, more than half of what they were supposed to be making would be taken away from them. The players came out with something better. You know, increase the games, increase the season uh, in length by thirty plus games with around one hundred and fourteen, and. They get full prorated salaries. Now the MLB today, uh, the MLB and owners are apparently focused on a 48-game season where the players themselves will get paid full prorated salaries, which to me makes absolutely no sense considering they rejected a plan in which the players would be playing an additional 70 games uh, under those same uh, restrictions, having a full prorated salary. They rejected that. At 48 games in a season, that's not a season. That's barely even two months of baseball. 
teams play about 25, anywhere between 25 and 27 games a season uh, in a month. You cut that down to 48, that's like a month and a half of baseball. That's not a season. You know, we're talking about last week on the show, is there going to be an asterisk next to the championship? If you go through with something like that, you know, I, I argued against it last week, but there will be an asterisk against it. There's no point of even having a championship at that point. Mm-hmm. To have 48 games and call that a season, it's a joke. Yeah. It's a joke and not even worth it at that point. It, it's different with like the NBA one went from 82 to 66 for the lockout. It would be different. It was like 120 compared to the 162. You're dropping down to 48 from 162. And how crazy is that a, a week can change so much? Yeah. <laughs> Last week we were saying like, ah, oh, the baseball can come back. Maybe just do 100 games and whatnot. Now it's like we're barely even probably going to get 50 games. So it's crazy what's going on. You do 48 games, you might as well just call it spring training 2.0. Spring, it's like double spring training because they're going to have yeah. that spring training for 2021. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, guys. I don't see it happening. And uh, let's pin that comment by Kevin Fitz from JDF. Fonz pours milk before cereal. Uh, <laughs> a, uh, Kevin is completely wrong about that one. Uh, this is the thing. Me, we have a debate on cereals back and forth. So uh, we'll, we'll save that debate for another time. Kevin, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> you can't even pay attention. Uh, and guys, again, any uh, any fan questions or comments like Kevin just chimed in, we will be happy to answer that for you. So uh, a quick rundown of what's going to happen next. Um, look, guys, I agree. I don't think there's going to be an MLB season either. It's going to be very, very difficult for that to happen at this point, especially since we are approaching the summer. Uh, which starts in less than three weeks at this point. Um, it's I don't see it happening. There's a lot of back and forth. I think it's better off they just prepare for 2021. But, hey, you never know. You never know. Russo, you brought up a lot of compelling points. So let's get into this review and preview trivia. Obviously, Kyle Russo, two weeks ago, you beat James. I believe the final score was 21-14. to 14. Uh, You beat James. So the winner tonight between myself and Fonz will advance to take on you next week in the finals. So I will hand the torch over to you guys and let's get ready to rock. I'm nervous. I'm nervous for this. All right, all right, all right. So we got some review and preview preview trivia with Tom, the takeover Scavetta against Fonz, the destroyer, the Falco. Uh, me and James, we spent about three hours in total putting together some fantastic questions. We got oh, categories Tom. amongst New York Mets, uh, some Ravens for, uh, for Tom, uh, some Giants for Fonz, and round it out with some uh, Knicks history as you guys are Knicks fans. Let's see how well you guys know your teams. James, I'm going to throw it to you. You're going to start off with Fonz, run down his first 10 questions for the Mets. Oh, no, I'm going to go first. All righty. I'll, I'll bring up the banners. I'll bring up the you banners. You got it? So right, right now we are Mets questions. So Mets James, questions. go right ahead. All right, right Fonz, question oh, no. number one. Oh, no. Who pitched the first – Mets no hitter. Oh, for the love of God! Um, Jesus, uh, is it Johan Santana? All right, All right. It's going, it's it's going. Question number two. All right, I'm good. I got it. When good. City Field first opened, what was the old name of the now called Coca Cola Corner? <laughs> Oh, geez. Uh, Coca-Cola. I... 
so, uh, sh- the Shea Corner? I have no idea. I literally don't know. I thought it would be some with Shea Stadium. I really don't know. Tom, you can steal this question. So we're talking about the old name before the Coke Corner, correct? Correct. Would that be the Pepsi Porch? Correct. Oh, that come on. Point for Tom. Point for Tom. All righty, Fonz, question three. In 2015, how many home runs did Daniel Murphy have? In the playoffs. In the playoffs. In the, in the I, that's playoffs. a mistake. In the playoffs. Uh, um, uh, uh, 19? In the playoffs? In the playoffs. Tom, Tom would you uh, like to steal? I, I believe – I want to say Murphy had seven. Correct. I don't know yes. why I thought 19. I thought he had that. maybe uh, – and if I'm not mistaken, didn't he only hit like 10 all year long? Yeah, so it was something like, like that. that. Yeah, right, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that 2015 season was just way too better than I thought it was. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. All right, Fonz, your fourth question. Who was the manager before Terry Collins? Willie Randolph? Tom, would you like to steal? What is... Jerry Manuel. Woo. Correct. I knew I knew the Mets were going to trip me. I know the Mets were going to trip me. I know it's going to happen. Fonz, your fifth question of the Mets. This is already a bad start. All righty. I was drafted by the Mets in the seventh round of the 2007 draft. I made my major league debut in September of 2010. In my first full season of 2011, I played in 100 games, batting point. 292 and hitting 10 home runs. Who am I? This is so this is so embarrassing. Oh my god, I don't know. Uh oh, Tom's gonna get this one. Tom's gonna get this one. Tom is going to get this one. I have Juan Lagaris. Tom, would you like to steal That's this not question? Juan this guy hit. You're saying he hit 10 home runs in 2010? In 2011. 2011. 2011. 2011. And he was drafted in the seventh round back in 2007. Yes. Correct. Yes. 10 home runs in 2011. Um, yikes. Um. Uh, she's gonna be wrong, Mike Baxter. Nope, nope. It is Lucas Duda. Oh gosh, we had Duda. I forgot about that. Was Duda. a hard one. I forgot about Lucas Duda. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. Fun. Fun. <laughs> no, number six Fonz. It feels like he was on the team forever. Um, number six Fonz. Which slugger for the Mets hit his four hundredth? Home run in 2006. Gary Sheffield. Tom. Uh, 400th career home run in 2006. Yes. Uh, Carlos Delgado. Correct. Gary Sheffield is 500th with the Mets. Damn it. All right, Fond. You, you got a few more questions. Yeah, well, let's listen. Let's, I started off terrible with the Giants. Yeah, yes, you did, Russo. So it yeah. could be the same thing going on here. All right, Fonz, your seventh question of the night for the Mets. Oh, Before Kurt Neuenheis became the first oh, my God. Met to yeah. hit three home runs, 
in a single home game, who was the last Met to hit three home runs in a single game at any stadium? Oh, man. That oh, name. and you have choices. You have oh, choices. yes, yes, you have choices. Thank God, because I don't want to choices. Sorry, Fonz. Choices. Uh, you have A, Jose Reyes. B, Carlos Beltran. C, Mike Piazza. Or D, Ike Davis. <laughs> that last one, it might be that last one, but I'm going to go with Beltran. Tom? I'm sorry. The feed cut out on the third choice. Can you repeat the yep, question uh, and the answers? Sure. So the question is, before Kurt Neuenheis became the first Met to hit three home runs in a single home game, who was the last Met to hit three home runs in a single game at any stadium? Your choices are A, Jose Reyes, B, Carlos Carlos Beltran, C, Mike Piazza, D, Ike Davis. All right. Well, it's not Piazza and Beltran was wrong. It's got to be Jose Reyes. It is Ike Davis. I should have been Ike Davis. Oh, my God. I knew you were going to throw a curveball with that random name. Kirk Newenheis. I've not. That's a name I completely forgot about that we had him, too. Uh, Fon, when you right. said it's the last one and then you gave some other name, I'm like, oh, Fonz. All right. I went with my gut feeling on that. Number eight, your eighth question of the Mets. God. When did the Wright and Reyes error begin? When they both played at the same time, is what you're saying. Like when they both, yeah. Uh, so when they, um, when they were both on the field at the same exact time, 2007. Tom, would you like to seal this question? This is when now, uh, I just want to clarify this is when they both first started together or when they were first on the team together? When they first started together, like when they first played their MLB game together, 2004. It is 2003. Wow. That far. Tom, you are very close. That far. Oh, my God. Yeah. That far. All right, Fonz. Your ninth question of the Mets. This is so embarrassing. I apologize to all Mets fans. Russo, please pull that one up. Okay, I will. All right. (laughs) 2011 was the start of Bobby Bonilla. Bonilla's contract. Be, being defer being deferred, allowing him to make around one point two million a year. Well, not even being on the team. What year does this contract end? You have you, choices. You have, you have choices. Fine. Because I have choices. Fine. All right. A twenty twenty five. B twenty thirty five. C twenty twenty eight. D twenty thirty four. Can you? What was the second one again? Was it? Would you say twenty thirty five? Yeah, that was the second choice. I'm gonna go with that one. That is correct. So that was it was between thirty and thirty five. Twenty thirty five. Oh, I hate them. All righty, oh, I really do. In your tenth question of the night. All righty. In two thousand eight, the Mets acquired Johan Santana from the Minnesota Twins for four. For four prospects, what outfielder did the Mets include in this trade? So, to the Twins. That was Correct. the player that we gave to the Twins. Yes. Uh, we don't have choices here, do we? No. No. Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. Uh, uh, man, I am going to – I I do 
not. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. The process. Tom, would you like to take a crack at it? I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a complete guess. Um, I believe he was a rookie for the Mets in 07. Is it Carlos Gomez? Correct. Oh, come on. He didn't guess. He knew. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Fine. Your bonus question. Remember, these bonus questions are worth two points, everybody. All righty. Fine. For this question, how many captains have the Mets had and name them? Uh, they, I, I, David Wright. Okay. Piazza. Oh man. Was Gary Carter one? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, there was two, I don't even know if there was two more. I'm trying to remember the names. What the frig? I don't know. Um, Tom Seaver. No, Mm-mm. I got I got three of them. So, right, Tom, I'm done. Goes to Tom now. Yeah, I, I believe Tom. I can steal this. Um, yeah, you can steal a bonus. Why not? I think we did the same thing last week. All right, Mets captain. So we got Piazza, Carter, and Wright. Um, so Tom, I just wanted Fonz. I should have corrected you on earlier. Um, Piazza was not a captain for the Mets. Really? I didn't wow, I thought he would be. Hmm. So you do got Wright and Carter. Carter, right? yeah. Okay. I should have said that early. That's, no, that's on me. That's fine. Uh Jacob the Ground. No. All right. No. All right. So you're four. You did you guys did get David Wright, Gary Carter, Keith Hernandez, and John Franco. I should have known. I thought it was I thought they had five captains when I included Piazza. Okay, so right. this is the score. Why? After Bonds' Mets. Bonds, this is close right now. This yeah, is close. So, I was so embarrassing. I man. was at 10 to 1, I think, last week. It no, I think you're at 10 to 0, Russo. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> not to shoot you down. It was um, a bad situation. All right. Okay, but now we're going to jump into my questions for Tom. Okay. okay. Let me Tom. just get, get ready. Hold on. Okay, you're getting ready. You're getting ready. Yep. I just want to pull up the correct questions. That's all, Russo. Gotcha. All righty. So you start in. Bear with us for one second. Yes. All righty. I am showing your first question. Go right ahead. On opening day, 2006, David Wright hit the first home run of the season. On September 30th, he also hit the last home run of the season. How many home runs were hit overall by the Mets during the regular season? Tom, you have choices. Choice A, 173. Choice B, 204. Choice C, 200. And choice D, 185. So I think Wright had, I want to say he had 26 that year. Beltran had 41. Delgado, I believe, had around 38. He might have 41, too, though. Uh, Can you state the choices one more time, please? So A, 173, B, 204, C, 200, 
and D, 185? 173. Franz. Tom said 173. Uh, 204? Nope. The answer is 200. Oh, come on. Uh, this is... All righty. Next question. How many opening day starts did Johan Santana have for the Mets? Tom, you have choices. A, four. B, two. C, three. And D, one. Let's see. Correct answer. Three. Fonz. Can you repeat the other choices again? So Tom said three. You have four, two, and one. I'm going to go two. The answer is four. Oh, jeez. Should have known. Some Mets fan I am. <laughs> I love this. This is so good. All right. Next question. How many games did the Mets win in the regular season in 2007? You have choices because that would be way too hard. A, 92. B, 88. C, 95. And D, 86. How many games the Mets won in 2007? Yes. All right, so 2007, they did not make the playoffs. You said you said the answer choices were 92, 92 88, 88, 95, and 86. 88. Correct. Correct. They That was the game, I believe. I forget it was on the mound. It might have been Blavin or somebody, and they got bombed for seven runs in the first inning. James, next question. Perfect. Yep, you are. In two thousand okay. In two thousand six, the Mets dominated their division from the beginning to end. What was the highest lead in games that the Mets had in their division? You have choices. You have A, sixteen and a half games, B, fourteen, C, thirteen and a half, and D, eighteen. Lead over the second place team, right? Yes. 18, you said 18? Yes. 12? No, 18, 16 and a half, 14, and 13 and a half. Sixteen and a half. Correct. Well played. Had to do the math on that one. Oof. Going gray. How many home runs did Lucas Duda have as a Met? I don't like how we had Choices. two Duda questions. <laughs> a, 143. B, 162. C, 156. Or D, 149. Hmm. One. 
I think no, you, you repeat that. You kind of cut out. Yeah, I think you cut off. You just said all one. we heard was one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one one forty three. Bonds. Uh, one fifty six. Correct. Yes. <laughs> I hope there's no more Lucas Duda questions. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking low because he really didn't start that much. He platooned with Ike, but then he had that one forty home run year. Next question. Jacob DeGrom has three career home runs. Oh, gosh. Which team did he hit his first home run against? You, you have choices. <laughs> you have choices. A, the Braves. B, the Nationals. C, the Marlins. And D, the Phillies. All four other teams in the division. Braves, Nationals, Marlins, and Phillies. Marlins. Bonds. Is it the Braves? It is the Nationals. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Well, he boy. did have his second and third home run against, I think, both the Braves and Marlins, though. Of course. That's how it is. That's trivia. Next question. How many bases did Jose Reyes steal in 2007? You have choices. A, 76. B seventy eight, C eighty five, and D eighty one. Eighty five, eighty one, and what else? Seventy six and seventy eight. In oh seven, right? In oh seven. Seventy-eight, correct. Hmm. I was about to say eighty-one, but man, these are tough, dude. He never broke eighty. I don't even think. No, I believe that was the most he had. No, I had sixty-four the year before. Sorry, go on. No problem. Much. Next question: What year did Matt Harvey win NL Comeback Player of the Year award? No choices. What year did Matt Harvey win the National League Comeback Player of the Year award? Um, 20. Cut off again. <laughs> right, when the answer. I Tom, you, you, Tom, you, you got to repeat again. that. You cut out again. 2015. Correct. Correct. I knew he was going to get that. Uh, Harvey. What could have been? Next question. What year was Terry Collins introduced as the Mets manager? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Russo, he has choices on that one. He does have choices. My bad. This was after me. Oh, my A, what are you doing? 2009. B, 2008. C, 2012. And D, 2010. The answer choices were 08, 09, 10, and what else? And 12. 2010. Correct. In November 
of 2010, Terry Collins was introduced. Oh, jeez. What a time. Tom, last regular question we got here. In 2015, how many saves did Where's Familia have? You have choices. <laughs> A, 50. B, 43. C, 37. And D, 46. This team was so good. Oh, my God. 50, 43, 46. And what else? 37. Forty-six. Fonz. Uh, can you just repeat the uh, other others again? So Tom said forty-six. You have fifty, forty-three, and thirty-seven. I think fifty. Forty-three is the correct answer. Man, that team was so good. Oh my god, I hate them. Okay, Tom. Bonus question. Big bonus question. Big bonus question. So, in which season did Mister Met get publicly shamed? Which time are you talking about? <laughs> There's been Most a lot recently. of those. Most recently. Which year did Mr. Met get publicly shamed? And I phone a friend. <laughs> um, publicly shamed. Publicly shamed. Well, I have I have 20 answer choices here. Or I'm going to go with 2008. No. Fonz, you could see this. Um, publicly shamed. I'm going to go – well, this, you're saying his most recent or whatever. I'm going to go – well, I don't know if it was the year. The year that he flipped off a fan, I'm going to say 2016. So close, 2017. <laughs> but that's the, that's the most recent one, right? Flipping off the fan? Yes, yeah. 2017. I almost bought that shirt. Okay, so now – well then, I, I'm I'm updating the score, Russo. You're updating the score. Font had two originally, so now he has. Oh, that bonus would have been. Font has three now, three James. Now. Yep. And Tom had five originally. Now Tom has. Ten. Oh, if I correct, we're yes, just checking our math, everybody. So, as of right now, after the Met segment, uh, Font the destroyer oh. is down, and Tom the takeover is up. I do also, before we move on, Rousseau, um, one of our other comments during this Met segment, uh, Kyle Earhart did comment 07 when they choked and threw away their division, led Tommy Glavin pitched a stinker in the final. Yeah, 7-0 after the first inning. That was definitely brutal. Thank you, Kyle Earhart, for commenting on that. And thanks Uh, for making me sad. (laughs) All right. All righty. Next category, Tom, I'm going to stick with you. We got some Ravens questions. Oh, please. Oh, boy. So my oh, first gosh. Ravens question to you, Tom, is Justin Tucker has been one of the best kickers in NFL history since his career began back in 2012. However, how many field goals has he missed in his NFL career? You have choices. Is it A, 24, B, 31, C, 29, D27. Missed field goals throughout the man's career. Uh, Twenty-seven. Correct. Correct. Damn. Ah. 
Good job, Tom. You know your Ravens so far. I'm thinking low, but I'm thinking the lowest one was too low, trying to throw me off. So Next question. Since 2000, how many quarterbacks have started for the Ravens? You have choices. A, 16. B, 15. C, 12. And D, 18. 12, 18, and what else? 16 and 15. Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson, Trent Dilfer, Kyle Bowler, uh, Marcus Tuias Sopo. Uh, since 2000, how many Ravens quarterbacks have started a game? Um, Sixteen. That is correct. That is correct. Oh boy! Because I was doing the whole thing in my head. I was like Lamar. I mean, RG three started a game, so you got to count that one in there. Yeah. Ah man. Next question. In which of these years did the Ravens not win their division? I will give you the choices. You have A, 2004, B, 2003, C, 2011, and D, 2006. Okay. Well, I know which – okay, so which one of these four years did the Ravens not win their division, right? Correct. So Jamal Lewis had over 2,000 yards in 03, so it's definitely not that. Oh, 11 was the year they went to the Super Bowl. 11-12. No, wait. Uh, might be wrong with that, actually. Um, 06. All right, so 2006. You're talking about the 05-06 season or the 06-07 season? 06, uh, 06, 07. 06, 07. Oh, six, oh, six, oh, seven. Oh, six, oh, seven. I got to be saying for the majority of the 20, 2006 season. For the majority of 2006. With the playoffs starting in 07, but it counts. Yes. I, get what, I get what you're saying. I, I'm trying to figure that out in my head. Right. Well, um, I'm going to go ahead and say that year, 2006. Fonz. Can you, can you repeat the other ones again? So – Tom said 06, you have 04, 03, and 2011. 11 wasn't the Super Bowl. What was the year before with the Patriots? That's not it. 03, like you said, Jamal Lewis was a beast. And another one was 04, correct? Is that what yes. you said? 04 is my choice. Correct. Yeah. 11, they missed the field goal with Billy Cundiff and then won the division again the next year. I remember that. Oh, God. Did Tom steal that? The feed cut out. Yeah, he stole yes, that. He stole that. Uh, Tom, if you didn't hear it, the correct answer was 2004. Thank you. That was my next choice. Next question. Since 2000, the Baltimore Ravens have had three players to enter the Hall of Fame. Name these three players. Jonathan Ogden. Ray Lewis. Three, right? Since 2000. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then the third one... It has to be Ed Reed. Correct. Yeah, that was easy. Tom, I was going to say, if you didn't get that one right, I was going to Jonathan Ogden was their first ever draft pick, too, right, Fun? He was. 96. He was their first ever draft pick. Ray Lewis was the same year, but a few picks later. That's crazy. Two guys from that class in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Ogden was the first uh, first one. That's nuts. 
Question number five. In 2019, Lamar Jackson threw an 83-yard touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown, which was the longest pass for the Ravens since Joe Flacco threw a 95-yard touchdown pass to which receiver? You have choices. Oh, man. A, Mark Clayton. B, Mike Wallace. C, Torrey Smith. Or D, Steve Smith. Tory Smith. Fonz. Oh, man. I'm going to go Steve Smith. Correct answer was Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace was there for a year. Oh, my God. Jesus. Or Mike Wallace. I also thought it was Mark Clayton, too. That's another one. Jeez. All right. Your bonus. Tom, bonus. In 2014, this Ravens defensive player set the single-season sack record for their organization with 17 sacks. Who was this player? In 2014, this Ravens defensive player set the single-season record for the organization with 17 sacks. Who was this player? My guess is Terrell Suggs. Incorrect. Fonts. Oh, man. Um, oh, what the heck is what his name? What the heck was his name? Uh, oh man, I'm gonna this is gonna bother me so much. Uh, uh Paul Kruger. Correct answer is Elvis Stumerville. That was the other guy's name. Paul Kruger. Did, oof. You guess Paul Kruger? Yeah. Yeah. Paul Kruger was two years prior. He had the record. Oh yeah. my god. So the updated score is Fonz the Destroyer. Four. Yeah, I don't know Tom, anybody. Take over. 13. All righty. Fonz. All right, James, let me just scroll down to your questions real quick. So now no we have some Giants questions for Fonz. James, here's your first question. Thank you, sir. What year was Deson Jackson's punt return for a touchdown? Us Giant fans hate this moment in history. I don't get choices. <laughs> no. Was this? This was. Oh man, this was. This Sean Jackson was a rookie in 07. That's when he. um, I believe I'm going to go on the limb. I believe it's 09. Tom. 2010. Correct. Yeah, because Don was a rookie in 010. We were just a year off. Yeah. Um, Okay. Next question. What year was. JPP selected for first team All Pro. You have choices. You have choices. Okay. Okay. A, 2010. B, 2015. C, 2011. D, 2013. I'm gonna go with 2015. Tom. 2011. Correct. Correct. Come on. And at the moment, fun fact, that was his only year. Really? Hmm. Yep. Next question. All right. In Fonz, ready? All right. In yep. the 2007-2008 New York Giants Super Bowl, which receiver had the longest reception in the game for the Giants? Now, you do have choices. 
A. Kevin Boss. B. Amari Toomer. Amari Toomer. Amari. Yep. Thank you, Brazil. No uh, C. Plaxico Burris. Or D. David Tyree. I'm, I'm going right to it. I think it's Tyree with that helmet catch. That had to be the longest one. Tom. That was not. It was Kevin Boss. He had a 45-yard catch. It was his only catch of the game. Wow. Correct. Correct. Wait, that Tyree was shorter than 45? That seemed like a lot. I believe it was 38. That seems a lot longer than that. Wow. That was Kevin Boss's only catch of the game. That's when Shockey got hurt. Yeah, I remember that. Correct. Next question. Next question. Which veteran free agent signing forced the most fumbles while a member of the Giants? You do have choices here. Antro Roll, Orbert Harris, Antonio Pierce, or Michael Barrow? Michael Barrow? Barrow, yes. Barrow. I am going to go with Antonio Pierce. Tom. You've got to be kidding me. Can you repeat the second choice again? Yeah. Antro Roll. No, no, no. Who was after him? Oh, uh, we had Barrow. Row, Albert Harris, and Antonio Pierce. Albert Harris? Yes. Are you going with that? Or no, you- no, 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 no. Okay. I'm just get, trying to get clarification on the name. Um, all right. So it's definitely either Roll or Barrow. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Michael Barrow. Correct. Correct. He was uh, another quick fun fact. Signed in 2000, was on the team for four seasons that had forced 10 fumbles. Funds, that was the guy they had to review in the Giants Ravens Super Bowl that was trying to tackle Jamal Lewis or whoever the running back was short of the. They reviewed that play like 20 times. It was was Jamal Lewis. (laughs) And just real quick, James, that was a typo. It was Robert Harris, not Orbert. I knew that sounded weird. My bad, guys. Robert. Okay. Next question. All right. In 2001, Strahan, Michael Strahan, took home the NFL Defensive Player of the Year award after setting the new single-season sack record, a record that still stands today. How many sacks did he finish with that season? Is it 23 and a half? Tom. 22 and a half. Correct. Correct. You've got to be joking. This game is horrible. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Wow, 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 Fonz. Why are you on review and preview? You don't know sports. All righty. Find your bonus. I ain't catching up. All right, bonus. Yes. New York Giants, since 2000 to present, have now had six head coaches, excluding Joe Judge. So Joe Judge is not in this six. Who are the other five coaches for the Giants? Well, Coughlin... Uh, Bill Parcells. Oh God, I really don't know after that one. That's that is where I don't know. I just have those two. I have, I have nothing. I can't even think. Given up? Yeah, I've already given up. Tom. Oh, so Bill Parcells was not a coach. No, he was after not. After two thousand, Parcells left in the nineties. So we're talking about two thousand after. So we're going to start with Jim Fossil because he was the first coach. Correct. Um, after Jim Fossil, it was Tom Coughlin. 
Mm-hmm. Correct. After Tom Coughlin, we have oh Ben McAdoo. Correct. Yeah. And then we have Pat Shermer. Correct. Six yeah. head coaches since 2000. The Giants have only had five guys. They no. Had, no, they had no it has been six, Cole. including Joe Judge, but excluding oh, Joe Judge, it's five. Okay. I'm Steve Spagnuolo Fossil. took over. It was Fossil. It was Tom Coughlin, Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo last the entire season. Steve Spagnuolo took over for four games, and then Pat Shermer. You guys should have made that clear with the interim. I'm going to be completely honest. I completely missed what you I literally thought you meant. <laughs> I forgot about after Coughlin. I just thought Coughlin. All right, then who was before Coughlin? Wow. That was bad. Yeah. So, damn. Wow. Damn. Well, let's see if I can make this up here with the bonus. Uh, not the bonus. The, uh, the next one. I missed the interim. Wait, right. James, let me let me get this new score up. Okay, I was just about so, to do that for you. I don't think I got a giant. You want to do that? You want to do that? You got it, James? Yeah, I got it. It's one, two, three, four, five. And that was just five seconds five. sitting with the team. As the DC, of course. But Russo, just to correct, Stan, Tom had five of those questions, correct? Yes. 18, so it is now 18, 18 to 4. To- to four that is going up right now. And show. All there right. So Fonz the destroyer four. Tom the takeover 18. This Tom is, is really definitely taking over. Fonz the destroyer is not destroying very much. Uh yeah, pretty much. Fonz make it up in the next round. Yeah, well let's hope so. Okay, so James, you were gonna start off first. Just give me a sec and I'll tell yep. you when. So right now, guys, we are on to some Knicks questions. James, you're going to ask the first five to Fonz, and then you're going to give him his bonus. So we're going to start off right now. First question. And Fonz, how many times was Carmelo Anthony an all-star while wearing a Knicks excuse me, uniform? I can repeat that if you'd like. Yes. Do you, I don't have choices, though, right? No, you do I, have choices. You do have choices. A, seven. B, four. C five D six. Not count the start. Well, he got traded in eleven, but he was on the Nuggets, so it doesn't count. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with five. Tom. Tom. Six. Correct. Correct. Alrighty, your next question whenever you're ready. There you go. Alrighty. Bonds. How many jerseys? Have the Knicks retired since 2000? You have choices. You have choices. A, one. B, zero. C, three. D, two. Uh, Ewing was in since 2008. It might have been. Um, I'm going to go. Can you, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the, can you repeat them again? Sure. Uh, your A is one, B zero, C three, D two. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with two. Tom. Since two thousand, right? Correct. Zero. Correct. Correct. Just one. Patrick yeah. Ewing in 03. I thought another player got retired during that. I knew Ewing was the obvious. Next question for you, James. 
in the 2000 NBA, sorry, in the 2010 NBA draft, the Knicks selected Landry Fields in the second round. Yes. Where did Landry go to college? You do have choices for this one. I like to hear him. A, UCLA. B, Stanford. C, Florida State University. D, the University of Florida. He went to Stanford, and then Andy Rollins was taken after, went to Syracuse. Correct. Correct. And then Landry had a great one year, and I thought this guy's the missing piece, and then nothing after that. Next question. Next question. During the 2010-2011 season, the Knicks had a Christmas Day game. Which team did they play against? You have choices. Orlando Magic, LA Lakers, Chicago Bulls, Miami Heat. I believe this was Rose's MVP season, so it might have been the Chicago Bulls. Correct. Yeah. All righty. I'll get the next question up here right now, James. Next question. Next question. In 2009, Larry Hughes wore an unusual number for the Knicks. What number did he wear? You have choices. I forgot we had Larry Hughes. A, zero. B, 57. C, 38. D, 29. I remember, it's popping in my head. I remember Larry Hughes now for a little bit. I believe it was zero. That is correct. Yeah, I forgot we had him for like literally half a season. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Larry Hughes. Fonz, here is your bonus. All right. Your bonus is, in 2000, a New York Knicks player played on the Olympic basketball team. Who was this player? Uh, Was? It was not. Oh, man. I really want to say him, but I don't think it was. But I'll just say it anyway. Mm, Man, no. It wasn't Stephon Marbury, was it? Tom, would you like to steal? I I knew what he got traded after that. The year 2000. Well, Ewing was gone by that point. So... I'm going to take a guess here and say Latrell Spruill. The correct answer is Allen Houston. Allen Houston, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Russo, let me just pull up yours real fast. All right. Russo and Tom, your first question. What's the score, by the way? The score, okay. So I had two. Um, no, Fonz, you had three correct answers in that one. Oh, that's right. You had three, and Tom okay. had one. So uh, that would be. I'll quickly update it for you got for everybody watching. So that would Fonz be nineteen said, to seven, I believe, James. Four, five, six, seven, seven, nineteen. All righty. So that this, is the score right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Heading into. Tom, questions for the NBA next. Let me invite my brother quick. All right. Okay, we're good. Ready? Yep. Put the score down, please. (laughs) Patrick Ewing played his final game for the New York Knicks during the spring of 2000. What other teams did he play for after the Knicks? 
what other teams, plural, teams, Patrick Ewing. Um, Orlando Magic. Uh, was that correct? Yeah. Was that, was, was that, that one of them? That's one of them. That's, that's one. one of them, yes. There's, there's one more. Damn. There's one more. Uh, Fonz knows it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Pacers. Fun. Was it the Seattle Supersonics? Correct. Correct. I remember he was a Sonic for literally like one season. Russo, your next question. How many times since 2000 have the Knicks won their division? You have choices. Is it A, three, B, one, C, zero, D, two? Let's see. Well, the Knicks' last division title was in 2013. And the Knicks have had a winning record just four times since the year 2000. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say one. Correct. For a joke. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the really good tonight. I'm going to preview. Sorry. Your question is up. Um, right. What year was, what Eddie, year was Curry, sorry. Eddie Curry traded to the Knicks? You have choices. A, 2002. B, 2005. C, 2004. D, 2006. Let's see. Eddie Curry played for the Chicago Bulls before coming to the Knicks. Uh, 2002, 2004, 2005, or 2006. Um, 2004. Cons. Can you repeat the other ones again? I'm sorry. So Tom said 2004. You have 2002, 2005, and 2006. He was drafted in like 2002, so he wasn't, but he wasn't the next. I'm going to say 2005. Correct. God, I forgot we had Eddie Curry. Next question. I was drafted by the Chicago Bulls in 2000 with the eighth overall pick. My career with the Knicks lasted from 2004 to 2008. I wore number 11. Who am I? Kamal Crawford. Correct. Ah, that was too easy. <laughs> he still plays, I think. Right? No, not anymore. Uh, not anymore. In 2012, the Knicks played the Miami Heat in the playoffs after a game two loss to the Heat. Pile forward Amari Stoudemire suffered an injury caused by what? Can you be more specific? How did he suffer his injury? Uh, it's very like, it's no, it's notorious. Like uh, his, what was the injury? Not what was the well, you could state how, what was the injury, but how was it caused? 
I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember. I gotta, I, remember you'll remember. I you'll remember when I say it. Um. <laughs> I remember that series. After a game two loss to the Heat, this was in the first round of the playoffs. Um, lower region. Uh, look, guys. Um, I mean, this is this is notorious amongst all New Yorkers. I mean, this was the moment. This was this is when they could have had their peak, and it just didn't happen because of this. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Sorry, guys, I didn't follow the, the Knicks as closely growing up as most New Yorkers did, um, which is a shame. But uh, he did something to his knee, maybe. Uh, he, uh, I don't know. Uh, he broke his collarbone. I don't know. Fonz, would you like to steal? Didn't he break his wrist by punching a fire extinguisher? Yes. Yep. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> sounds, sounds about right. All right. One, two. Okay. And Tom, your bonus question. Oh, boy. In the 2011 deal, the Nuggets traded Carmelo Anthony to the Knicks along with Chauncey Billups in exchange for four players, a first-round pick, and swap rights in 2016. Name those four players that were traded. That were traded from the Knicks to the Nuggets, correct? Correct. Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari, uh, Mozgov. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. Who's the fourth? Oh. Can't be Ronaldo Walkman. It is uh, not Ronaldo Walkman. Yeah, no. That didn't count as a guess, right? Um, the fourth. It's not Andy Routens. The fourth player involved in that trade Mozgov, Gallinari, Chandler. Who was on that team in 2011? It was not Chris Duhon. Um, oh, son of a gun. That's a name I forgot about too, Chris Duhon. It's not Landry. Um, final guess is. Uh, Larry Hughes. Can I go? Yep. It was Raymond Felton. Correct. He also traded Anthony Randolph to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I remember that whole deal. And we got Balkman, Tom, from the Nuggets to the Knicks. That was the part of the trade. Oh, uh, that was so – yeah. he was part of the trade. Yeah, but it was the – I was got the three. Player. I got three. You should be somewhat impressed. For someone impressed. who's not really a Knicks fan. I got three out of the four. I remember, Fonz, I remember watching that. I'm not watching. I remember reading that article in the newspaper the day after it happened. 
I was upset because Felton was so good that year. When I was growing up in high school, guys, I didn't have cable, so I couldn't watch Knicks games at my house. I had to read in the newspaper to find out, like, if they won at night because I didn't have a phone till I was 16. I didn't have cable till I was in college. So I was very, you know, old school growing up. So that's how I got all my news, and I, I remember reading that trade. Oh, yeah. James, that would be eight points for Fonz, and that would be three points for Tom. So, if you want to put up a, a score, I don't. I don't know how close that is. Oh, right. those final numbers. Those final numbers are. Yeah. Fonz to the destroyer twelve. Tom to take over twenty-one. I thought I have a lot. I thought I'd do well. That Mets one really threw me off. Um, I was impressed with my Knicks stuff. The Ravens one, I wish old Tom didn't get them because I kind of knew most of the answers. Uh, the Giants ones, I was ashamed. I'm sorry about that. Um, overall, okay. I had a fun time. I enjoyed it. Would but you we guys do, like- we do have one more question as a tiebreaker, just in case we we plan this. Oh no, we plan this. It's it's a it's a fun one. It's a fun one. Okay, okay, okay. So, James, I'll I'll read it out if that's cool. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. Tiebreaker question. In 2004, this person was the, was the head coach of the New York Knicks for one game. Who was this coach? Oh, I have no, I do not remember the 2004. 2004 for one game. And he won this game too as the coach. Isaiah was out. He got fired, I believe. This was around that time. Can we just guess multiple names or can we only just go? Just Don, just guess. Don Chaney? Nope. Uh, Fines, if you have a name, also chime in. Lenny Wilkins. No. Two thousand. Um, Larry Brown. No. No. Not. not Herb Mike. Williams. Herb Williams. Correct. Correct. Oh, damn, I forgot we had Herb for a coat. So I was going backwards. I'm like one game. Ornisak, Mike Woodson, Derek Fisher, Kurt Rambis, Mike Miller, David Fisdale, Herb Williams. Yeah. And that was right. it, guys. That was it. I don't know final what the score. Uh, final score. There yeah. you go. Good stuff. Fonz the destroyer, 22. Tom the takeover. I mean, so whoa, I read that. My dyslexia really kicked in on that one. Fonz the destroyer, 12. <laughs> Tom the takeover, 22. You guys didn't go. give me a point for that, did you? That was just for fun. That was just for fun. So I guess we'll end it at 21 then. Yeah, don't give me a point for that. 21. Fun it stuff, took me guys. like 18 guesses anyway. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Good stuff. Similar score to what you guys had. Yeah, yes. I think James had, I had 14. 14, and I had 21. Yep. So just ballpark. Great, great matchup. Great competing with you. Very good. Very good. Those next questions, man. That was fun. I hope you guys both enjoyed. Um, you know, put, put especially the, the earlier years to a challenge for both of you. I liked how you guys did that. That was good. We should definitely do that again. Well, you know what it is, is that, you know, you focus on that 2015 and up, 2012 and up. You know, we mo- we know most of that stuff because we kind of lived through it. And not that you guys yeah. didn't live through the earlier years, but just harder to remember yeah. on a rehash. Especially for the Mets, most harder of the good stuff happened as of recently. Yeah. You know, World Series run and all that good stuff. So, so that'll set up the uh, 
review and preview championship round next week between myself and Kyle Russo and James and Fonz, you guys will be asking the questions for that, trying to trip us up. Mm-hmm. So that, but, but we'll do more of these too. We'll do more of these in different sports and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was a lot of fun. That really Fonz, I don't know about you. That made me think very critically about stuff. Yeah. I forgot we had Larry Hughes. I keep that's going to bother me now. <laughs> what, was, what was the number again? Zero? Zero. That's that was the first time that a Knicks player has ever worn zero. I think it's the only time, too. Uh, well, in recent years, they've had players that really haven't gotten Yeah, no, I can't think of another. Well, Larry, he's the more memorable one. He so, was the first player to wear zero. At this time, guys, we have one hour down, one hour to go. Now we are going to bring on our guest of the night, Hank Indictor from Westchester, New York. Hank from Westchester, how's it going? Pretty good, guys. How about you? That was a fun trivia round I watched. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I saw Nick Lombardi tuning in, and I know John Goodnow is going to be watching you as well tonight. Your uh, your buddy from Sacred Heart. So oh. looking to thank you so much for coming on. Um, no problem. You're a big blue shirt guy. You were in Panarin. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> very nice. So oh, you know, it's not JT Miller though. Very true. Oh, is up the previous number ten? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Of course, uh, one of the rejects on the lightning. Uh, but yeah. Um, so Hank, the NHL, the NHL players association voted to approve the league's proposal of a 24 team conference based playoff format as a restart to this season. Um, the agreement does not involve a timetable yet as to when hockey will return to play. What, um, Rather, more the format the league will adopt when that time comes. When do you see hockey returning? You know, if I had to take a good guess as to when it's going to be back, I would say probably around late July, early August. I I have a feeling it's going to be a similar timetable as to what the NBA has because, I mean, I know that they gave around, they gave July 1st to July 10th, like the whole day in which teams are going to start warming up but i think obviously if you're going to have the class you got to have the teams warming up so it's it might take some time but i'm going to say yeah i'm going to say maybe august 1st august 2nd that's interesting because uh, the nba as we were talking about earlier or we'll, we'll, we will talk about it soon returns july 31st so i would not be surprised about James and Kyle here are obviously two Islanders fans. And the way this format's going to go is by uh, point percentage. As James Walsh with his Let's Go Islanders comment that was sent about an hour ago is pinned. Yes, I agree, Hank. Um, (laughs) But before we get into the um, debate with James and Kyle and your Rangers questions, um, so the way this is going to work, the series length, you have the qualifying round, which is a best of five series. All other rounds will remain seven games. So the way it goes is the top four seeds will get those first round buys, and then the five through 12 will play each other. So five plays 12, six plays 11, seven plays 10, and then eight plays nine. The seeding format. So in each succeeding round, the highest seed remaining in each conference plays the lowest seed remaining, Um, which I find very interesting. And the round-robin tiebreaker, obviously, the, uh, featuring these top four teams in each conference, they will be broken by regular season points percentage. So, Hank, the Rangers, 
have the Hurricanes on their schedule. A six versus an 11. However, the Rangers were undefeated against the Hurricanes this year, similar to the way the Islanders were against the Panthers. What is most appetizing to you about this matchup against the Carolina Hurricanes, this best of five? Well, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things about this matchup. One of them is the fact that, I don't know if you guys know, but there were two teams that voted no to this proposal. Any of you guys care to guess who one of them was? The Islanders? Hurricanes. Hurricanes, yes. Yes, Kyle, Kyle was correct. It was the Carolina Hurricanes. And so a lot of people are saying that it is, oh, they're, they're scared of the Rangers. So you have that factor in. And then here's another one that's also very interesting. You may or may not recall, but right before, about roughly two, three weeks before the, the shutdown happened, we had the trade deadline. Yes. And we got a first round pick in return for Brady Shea, which thank God that was addition by subtraction. And one of the things that rides on that series, believe it or not, is a first round pick. And if we beat them, remember the team that loses in this, they're they're in the lottery basically, or something like that. We beat them. We end up getting their lottery pick. So that's another thing that's, interested me in this series and that's another factor Mm -hmm. and then of course you have the fact that they're division rivals so that's i think this would be a very close series so i do agree with you but my next question to you is this and i'm still trying to lift my finger over this um obviously the biggest concern looming around these blue shirts is chris Kreider. um fractured his foot three months ago, considering he returns, does he provide a boost to this Rangers team? How does he do that? Oh, absolutely. Chris Kreider is one of the guys that they see as a leader. Like if you were to ask me who is to become captain next season, I think he's one of the guys. And remember he's had a reputation for scoring goals in playoff games. Like 2014, he came back from an injury. He scored a big goal in the Pittsburgh series. They came back to win that. I I really think Chris Kreider has a bigger impact than people realize. Hank, question for you. Um, Also in regards to right before the season kind of came to a close and got postponed, uh, Igor Shesterkin was actually, I believe, in a car accident with another player with him as well. Pavel Pavel Buchnevich. As the uh, trade deadline coming, and obviously as the season was coming to a postponement, what do you expect to see from Igor Shesterkin? Do you see him coming back as that – I believe he's a 10 and one goalie right now at this point. Do you, do you see him coming back with that same fire or do you see kind of a, a slow uh, getting back into the groove of things type of uh, type of play from him? That's a good question. Yeah. I think I can see him coming back and getting like into the groove of things. And one thing I should let you know about too, is he's a rookie. And if you've noticed in the past with the Stanley cup playoffs, a lot of rookie goaltenders can get hot at the right time. Bennington and, Yes, Bennington, Matt Murray. With Matt Murray, yeah. So, yeah, actually, it's really – that's a good question. I think it's a very interesting thing to see. But, yeah, I have a feeling he could – this could be the moment where he shines. And I I hope – and he definitely should be starting for sure. Now, with that looming, do you see any potential for Lundquist to potentially come over considering he hasn't had – you know, all of them haven't had it, but – He's been out the longest considered the injury in which he did have. Do you see 
the Rangers throwing Lundqvist a couple games here and there, even though it is the playoffs? Nope. I do not think so, and here's why. When um, when Igor got injured in that car accident, they immediately put Georgiev as the backup. And remember, they they did this before back in like January. He had that bad game against Dallas. Ultimately, David Quinn decided that Igor should be the starting goalie, which I think was the right move. And then he also said that Georgiev should be the backup, which, again, I think was the right move. He outplayed Lundqvist all season. And let me ask you this. Do you think logically Lundqvist would – I don't think Lundqvist logically would get a start if after the car accident, David Quinn never considered making him a starter once. And the only time and – and let's face it. He did start that one game against the Flyers where he got absolutely lit up for five goals. I was at that game, unfortunately. David Quinn did not once consider starting him. He knows that Gorgiev and Chester can give him a better chance to win. And yeah. off topic, in my personal opinion, they should have let him go a few years sooner. But I digress. And yes, that's a very unpopular opinion from a Ranger fan. But uh, Hank uh, and that, and Kyle, thank you. That kind of answered my next question about where you rank this trio of goalies in the depth chart. So I'm assuming, considering Igor is healthy, you have him one, and yes. then Georgiev two with the spot start. Yeah. So, uh, anyways. To yeah. piggyback on what I was answering last session, no, absolutely not. I do not see how Lundqvist gets a start. And if you listen to what President John Davidson said during his press conference, he literally, about Henrik Lundqvist, which, again, I really think they should be asking more about Igor rather than, oh, should Lundqvist be starting? JD basically was praising Lundqvist, but then right at the end, he said, at the end of the day, it's David Quinn's call, and... David Quinn, I remember hearing, he literally came up to the front office and and told them he didn't want to start Lundqvist. So that pretty much tells you all you need to know. They, they wants to go with the younger options, and I think that's the right move, too. Hank, so, sorry, oh, go ahead. Go ahead uh, Hank, with you saying all of that, um, now a lot of Ranger fans would probably dis- disagree with you uh, about not starting Lundqvist in the first, at least one of the five games of the play in round. Um, do you then see them just letting him walk or do you potentially see him getting traded for some picks in the Here's near the future? Problem. They're not going to trade Lundqvist because you, if you remember back in 2013, they signed him to a real, to a contract that was really an albatross. Eight years, $8.5 million. Nobody's going to trade for that. Mm-hmm. I think the Rangers are bettering off just letting him walk. And, like I said, I can give you a whole spiel about the Lundqvist contract and why and that unpopular opinion, but I digress. He does have one year after this season, obviously, left on his contract, so that would be True. Uh, probably be a buyout of some sort, but yeah. you know, hopefully see him end off uh, with a cup if it's not with the Rangers with another team as well. Oh, I, it would be nice to see him win a cup with us, but if we win a cup without him at the end of the day, I'm okay because it's all about the team in the front that matters. Yeah, so uh, and I completely get that. Hank, uh, let me ask you this. Now, fast-forwarding, when this playoff format starts, they, they have the Hurricanes. Uh, I know we alluded to that this could favor them, but what exactly do you expect in this series? Obviously, uh, I know Igor got to play a little bit, but now with Chris coming back, you do have a couple of reinforcements. Guys are rested up. 
going to be at least three to four months off. What exactly do you expect in this series? Do you give the Rangers the edge? Do you give the Hurricanes the edge? How far do you see the Rangers going? What's your whole mindset? So, great question. I think I think this is a series where you, you can probably see a lot of goals. I mean, we had they during that whole hot streak were like going on a rampage like every day. You have when you have a line of Panarin and Zabanajad, that can that team can roll out five goals on any given night. So and you also have to keep in mind this is a young team that defensively they were kind of iffy at the beginning, but they've gotten better later on. And as I alluded to, you have the power young duo of Chesterkin and Yorgiv. So honestly, if the Rangers made a deep run, I would not be surprised at all. Now, granted, I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley cup. I'm not that Homer biased Ranger fan, but do I see the Rangers making things interesting? I'm surprising people. Absolutely. Whoever gets them, well, the Carolina, obviously, but whoever gets them later after they possibly win this series, I think they will definitely have their hands full for sure. I think that with Carolina, I think it's probably one of the more favorable matchups in this case towards the Rangers personally, because like you said, Hank, they just have so many dominant offensive weapons on the Rangers side. You know, even though Carolina does have a good defense, obviously adding Brady Shea, they have Jake Gardner on there as well. Uh, they added Vincent Trocek uh, at center. Uh, for the offense at the trade deadline, and obviously Sebastian Ajo as well, uh, offensive powerhouse himself. But I think it's really going to come down to that goalie matchup. I really do believe it's going to come down to that goalie matchup because you have the defense with Carolina to stop those weapons. But what will it come down to with the young goalie in net? Because I believe the Carolina Hurricanes goalie is Peter Peter Mazark, I believe it. Morozik. Morozik. So he's a veteran. He's been around for a while now. To go up against a rookie in Igor Shesterkin, in a uh, in a big series or a uh, five game series, it's gonna be very interesting. But I think that'll be the uh, the the matchups to watch is more so the goalie matchup. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I I think, like I said, he's a young goalie. While you might look at that situation and say, "Oh, he's young; he doesn't really have experience." Remember that also can be used to his advantage. He doesn't; he's not the goalie that's like being looked at as a big name. So that could be helped. And I was been. And keep in mind, I'm someone who all year long, I knew about Igor since like maybe 2016, 17. I've been advocating that he should have been in the NHL all along. I can definitely see it coming down to him, and I definitely would take him in that series. Fonz, uh, you're up. Yeah, I, well, I, as I'm wearing a Rangers hat here, I think you would like that one too. Well, actually, my first Rangers game, that's where I got this hat too, uh, yeah. before the season ended. So I really wanted to just ask a general question. I know because with this season, it's a different form with the playoffs out of the 16. It's 24 with like some playing games and whatnot. So the regular season's done, goes right to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Would this be kind of a format you think you can see them doing with the NHL down the line? Or you think it's kind of just a one-time thing, test it out, and then kind of just scrap it and go right to the traditional 8-8 uh, eight and eight per conference or 16 teams? That's a good question. See, I think I think it depends on how well this is received for sure. I mean, looking at this, like, I can see why there are a lot of people that didn't really like this format because you have 24 of the 31 teams in, and there are some that are making the argument, oh, well, oh, well, you're devaluing the regular season. And yeah, I can understand that argument because Montreal and Chicago would have been nowhere near the playoffs if the, if the season had gone the way we expected it to. But, um, to be honest, I think, I think maybe they probably just do it for this season only, but afterwards, I doubt it. I think 
they're probably going to look at that and say, oh, well, I think we want to let the teams earn the playoff spots for like the regular 82. I, I, I think it's just going to be a one, a one year thing. But however, with that being said, I do agree with the 24 team setup. I know. Yes, I understand the arguments that people have about why, oh, it might devalue the regular season. If you actually look at the past histories of the Stanley Cup playoffs, there have been 16 out of 20 something teams that have been in. And so, and then there have been other like formats where teams have won the cup under like unfair circumstances. So it's not really the first time we've had something like that happen. And yeah, I, I, I think it helps this year, but only this year. Hank, I think you bring up a lot of good propelling points. Uh, my next question to you is about the possible locations that these games might be played. There's a lot of proposed locations in the Midwest and the Southwest. Uh, how do you think this will work out for the league? Uh, hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. Can you say that again? So there's been a lot of Midwest locations. Games might go uh, as far as to play these games. Cause you know, you're most likely not getting into MSG for this. No chance. Um, where, like, how, how do you see this playing out if you had to take a crack at it? I have a feeling we might get one Canadian city and we might get one in Vegas, but I'm really not. That's one area that I'm not sure about. This is just a complete guess on my part. I could be completely wrong, but I have a feeling we might get one Canadian city and one U.S. city. There is talks about, like, two, I think. I think, uh, I don't know. I, know if, I was in one of them, and I think Toronto has like multiple rinks where they could do that. So that would make sense. James has actually been up in that area, right? You, you've you've yep. been up there. You've been to the Hockey Hall of Fame, actually. Yeah, I've been to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Very cool. If you guys ever get the chance, take the eight plus hour drive up to Niagara Falls, and then another two and a half, maybe on over. Very cool. You guys would enjoy it. Yeah, I did that one years ago. It was a great experience, so I can confer with James on that. I think that, Tom, to answer your question, I think Dallas might actually be the spot of location because if you've been tuning in, the governor of Texas is now officially, as far as I'm concerned, he now today said now 50% capacity will allow fans in Texas sports arenas. And I would have to assume that that would be the safest option considering that they are allowing fans in there when no other cities, at least as far as I'm concerned, have gotten to that point. So Dallas, I think, would be the number one spot as far as I'm concerned. A Canadian city would probably have to be the second choice just because with this new format, I think six out of the eight teams that are in there, Canadian teams, so they definitely probably have to do something in that area as well. But Dallas would probably be the number one spot for me personally. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, hey, I mean, you know, if they if they go further on and – if maybe they decide to let fans going in, they could look at that and say, Hey, let's let the fans go and watch the bigger games, like the conference finals or the cup finals. So yeah. And more revenue and more revenue as well, you know, to the NHL benefits, revenue intake. Yep. Hank, I have one last question for you on my behalf. So, uh, fire away. Capo Caco, obviously not the best numbers this season. He played 66 games, 10 goals, 13 assists. Is this what you expected from him in year one? And where does he need to improve the most? Not quite, but let's also remember this guy is like 18, 19 years old in a new country for the first time. So I'm going to give him a pass for like this season. But next year, what I want to see, because some of the things that I've noticed him doing is he would sometimes like 
pass the puck when like, you know, he would have a chance yeah. to shoot. And yeah. I, I think we need to see him. I think that's one thing that he definitely needs to work on for sure. I, I, have, more I of a sense of, yeah. have more of a sense of selfishness on top of the yeah. fact, you know, one of the things that I saw was that in the uh, coach David Quinn, he wasn't really, you know, he was Capo Caga for the majority of the season. He was on the third, fourth line. He has nobody to work yeah. with. You know, you put him on those lines with Zibanejad, Panarin, and uh, Strom. You know, give him an opportunity at least to get some, some something yeah. going, whether it's assists or uh, obviously goals. But that would be my other thing of improvement upon him going into the next season. Yeah, that 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 I, I definitely agree with. I think they tried that option too at the beginning of the season, but then I think if I remember correctly, he. He wasn't scoring enough because I remember Panarin tried. There was one game where Panarin like gave him the puck, but then and he could have shot that easily and he might have scored, but then he was like too like selfless. So I think he passed it up and yeah. So yeah, I think I think it goes hand in hand. Yeah, that's a good point, Kyle. Uh, uh, my final, my final thoughts, thoughts on this, on this guys, guys, are so I really want to talk about the big three. three. You have Tampa Bay, Boston, and Washington. Which out of those three you think has the best shot of coming out of the East? Tough question. Who do you, who who are you starting, me or? Well, uh, I'm I'm asking you because I mean, last year we saw how crazy the hockey playoff was. A lot yes. of the top seeds were just dropping like flies, uh, especially Tampa Bay going out, bowing out in four games. Uh, yeah, I'll who out of those three? Um, I would, you know, I'm tempted to say Tampa because they're due and they've had stars go on past cup runs that were very deep, but ultimately they fall on short. So I'd like to think it's them, but at the same time, they also made some panic moves at the trade deadline. So I'm a little skeptical of them. And by the way, remember the question I asked you about who the two teams to vote against the platform it was? Yes. See if you can guess who the other one was. Tampa Bay. You would be correct. Um, I'm thinking Boston's a good possibility, but for some reason, I'm going to say Washington because by now they've already won a cup. No longer are we looking at Ovechkin as a choker, which I never really saw him as that to begin with. He was always right. a good player. Yeah. He just didn't really have a good four-line team to get far until 2018. I'd agree with that. Hank, thanks a lot for joining us on the show tonight. And we look forward to having you on again soon, but until then we bid you farewell and we wish the best of luck for those New York Rangers. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me guys. Have a good one. Hank. Thanks man. You, Hank. That was Hank and from Chappaqua, New York, about 45 minutes up the road from where I am. Uh, so let's get into some NBA talk. Cream City, baby. Let's go. The Milwaukee Bucks, number one in the East, 53-12. and 12. Well, they were 53-9. and nine. They lost their last three games before um, the whole shutdown with the virus and everything. Let's talk some Milwaukee Bucks. So... Think he cut off again by the NBA, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, might have a much more difficult path compared to the traditional format. What do you guys think about that? I think it's a good way to kind of just 
change things up here. Um, really, it's, I mean, the season has kind of been crazy. Uh, it's been a while since basketball even started. I think the last game was like, what, March 13th or something around like that, like around that time. Yeah. They've been talking about doing a change for the playoffs for a while now, and I feel like this is kind of the perfect scenario to do it. I mean, you have a big gap in the season. You know, why not come back and bring something fresh instead of doing the traditional, okay, we'll come back, all right, play the last 20 games, and we'll do the eight teams on each conference. It's kind of a way to do it. Like I told uh, you guys last week, uh, the NBA with All-Star Game, they kind of did where it was they switched up the All-Star Game format where it was kind of drafting teams and people liked it. So who knows, maybe if the people like this kind of playoff scenario, then maybe we'll cut some regular season games and do like a play-in playoff series. So it's something different. It's kind of like with the hockey situation, way to test it out for this crazy time. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to make it more competitive. I know in the original format, Milwaukee would have drawn the Miami Heat in a potential second-round matchup. Uh, Kyle Russo is Miami Heat. Um, you guys brought up a couple of very interesting points last week on the show. There, there was a lot of banter about Giannis heading down to South Beach. I don't know if his life is as big of a movie as it is compared to LeBron. I think he likes his cream up here in Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin, that is. Uh, yeah, you heard that, right? So those Milwaukee Bucks, humble brag, number one in the East. I don't think Giannis is going anywhere. I think Giannis is staying right where he is in 2021. Why? Why do I think that is? The Milwaukee Bucks have set themselves up in a situation to – they built this team. They extended Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton. Eric Bledsoe is going to be there for a while. They just re-signed George Hill to a three-year deal. The only free agents they really have this year are Corver, Marvin Williams, Pat Connaughton, and then I think Sterling Brown. They're probably going to only bring one or two of those guys back, probably Pat and one other. And then the year after, you have Ersan, Ilya Silva, and Robin Lopez. That's it. That's it. Everyone else, there's no – they're there for the long haul. And that frees up so much money to just throw at Giannis, where the box window is a lot longer until all these contracts are up. And I, I think we've seen it. Yes, it's a propelling place. But what's the real reason why I don't think Giannis goes to Miami? It's not because the Bucs are set up to – you know, be a really good team for the next three to four years. It's because of Jimmy Butler, guys. Jimmy Butler has just bounced around the league ever since his first three to four years in Chicago. I just don't think a lot of players are compatible with him. I want to hear Kyle's thoughts on that. I think, Tom, I think the two points that you brought up for his reasons for staying were two reasons exactly why he would leave. One reason with the Bucs is you're right. Those contracts, the guys that you brought up, they're aging players on massive contracts. Bledsoe is is a decent point guard, but he's got a big contract. Chris Middleton, he's a great three-point shooter, but he's on a massive contract. Brooke Lopez is an aging player who, yes, is having kind of, I guess you would say, a breakout type of season, all-around type of player. Uh, From a shooting standpoint, we've seen uh, some aspects of defensive capabilities coming into play. But going down to South Beach, would only further enable Giannis to succeed even more because of the youth around him. You have all these young players. The only person that's under contract that would affect him at all would be Jimmy. And with Jimmy, I think that Jimmy could be one of the more attractive players to play with alongside because the one thing about Jimmy and why it's seen as he's hated because he pushes his teammates to the max. That's who Giannis is as a player. We all saw what he looked like when he came to this league. 
He was a 14th overall pick in the first round, never expected to do much. But he went towards the grind, put his head down, and he became the all-star that he is. He became the MVP that he is. That's the type of grind that's down there in South Beach. That's why we see players like Man Adebayo develop in his third year, become an all-star. That's why we see Jimmy Butler wanting to get traded to a place in Miami because that's where he knows his untapped potential. All that grind, all that dedication to the team in the game of basketball will be expressed. Not that the Bucks aren't that place, but the fact that Giannis now for a year, almost two years now, has been talking about leaving the Bucks in the first place has to give some indication. On top of the fact with the new format, the Miami Heat would play the Bucks in the second round if the Miami Heat advance past OKC. And if the Miami Heat do beat the Bucks, which I think we've agreed upon, which the Miami Heat would be the hardest feat, again, the hardest competitor against the Bucks in which they beat them two times in the Milwaukee Bucks this season, in which Ben Abado has completely shut down Giannis in that second matchup. If they do advance, I don't see any which way in which Giannis does not sign with Miami. There would be no reason. There would be absolutely no reason to stay with the Bucks. If you can't beat them, you join them. You know, we saw with Kevin Durant, we thought it was a weak move. But Giannis, this would be a genius move. Weak move. It, would be, it wouldn't be in the shadow of LeBron James and what he accomplished in Miami. It would be the new generation of stardom because now these players are all young besides Jimmy. You want to talk about a team that could last forever. It's this Miami team. Giannis joins this team. They have a solid four or five-year window because of the youth. They don't have that with Milwaukee. They have about two, two years, especially because of the difficult West is. It, I get it. I mean – I, I really just I don't know. Fonz, go go ahead. Oh, were you cut off too? I mean, were you cut off at that point? I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But no, mine was very quick with my thing. It's I mean, it's different. I think Milwaukee is going to keep whatever they can to keep Giannis around. He's kind of the guy that they. Who was the last big time superstar that they had? Like their MVP, All Star every year, like the big time, like their guy. Unless I'm, I'm somewhat slipping off my mind, but like they're going to do everything they can to keep him around. And build around them too. They pay him, and then they go. All right, what is the next thing we need you to do? He's going to probably probably recruit a guy or two. Maybe they go. Let's draft this guy. All right, let's pay this guy. They're going to. If he goes to there, he's been there since 2013, 2014. So they know him. He trusts the organization. They're going to do everything they can to keep him around because he's a he's a he's a talent. He really is very talented. So they're going they're going to do whatever they can to keep him. Well, I, I, I want to piggyback off of that. The Bucks front office is very notorious for being smart and doing what they have to do. And you look at around you look around the Bucks team, guys, it's not just old guys. It's a good mix of old guys and young guys. Dante DiVincenzo is eventually going to step in in Wesley Matthews' spot probably next year because Wes is on a two-year deal. The Bucks won't bring him back after the end of next season. They're going to throw all that money at Giannis. Ersan Ilyasova is a guy who is the best player in the NBA when it comes to drawing charges, uh, I think. It's a close between him and Kyle Lowry, but I think Ersan is the best at that. Uh, And he's a really fantastic defensive player. And Giannis is also now the co-owner of a sports nutrition company, Ready Nutrition, which is in Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh is much closer to Milwaukee than Miami. Um, look, is Miami going to throw something at them? Of course they should. Of course they should throw something at them. They'd be silly not to. They they really they really would. But and Kyle, I, I think this is more props to your Miami Heat team. 
I think Miami could potentially win a championship without getting Giannis. I think they have that capability. You bring up they're a young team. These guys are only going to get better. And and get, let's just say you don't get Giannis. You could also get somebody else. Can I mean, can they get Giannis? They probably have the best shot out of any team besides Milwaukee to get him. I just don't see him going. I think he really likes um, you know, all his cheese heads up there in Milwaukee. This is the That's first indication. Opinion. This is the first indication is if Pat Riley decides to extend Bam out of bio, it's already been reported that Giannis will not happen in 2021. If Pat Riley does not give if Pat Riley does not give Bam out of bio that extension, it's almost set in stone. It's almost and the recruitment will be full hard. All, all full hardcore on Giannis is that the Miami Heat will be the favorites, not because they have the most money to throw at them, but because they have the most ready team. They have the most ready team to elevate because you're talking about elevating stars that you hope succeed. You know, when Dante DiVincenzo is taking that step, Dante DiVincenzo has now been in the league two, three years now, and he has not taken that step. Younger players like Sterling Brown are not taking that step. You're looking at first year Miami Heat, Tyler Hero shooting lights out of the basketball. Why is shooting the lights out of the basket? Dante DiVincenzo is now averaging nearly 10 points a game, and he's going to start by next year. Kyle, you have to remember something. This was a guy that didn't play last year. He sat at exactly. the end of the bench, and now he's the sixth man. He's the sixth man, and he is in there late in the games in fourth quarters. It's not Wesley Matthews. It's Dante in there. It's Dante. It's Bledsoe. It's Lopez. It's Middleton. It's Giannis. Those are the five in there in crunch time. It's not Wesley Matthews anymore. Wesley Matthews is more of a situational guy. Um, for instance, you want to play defense-offense at the end of games. As great of a defender as Dante is, he's going to get better. But Wes, I, I think Wes is the best defender on that team. Uh, but Dante DiVincenzo really has a great upside, and you have that young talent. And the Bucks have a lot of good young uh, recruits in their system. Now, my only concern is this, guys. The Bucks still owe John Lohr and Mirza Toledovic money through 2022. That That's the only thing that concerns me just a little bit, but every team has those types of contracts. You know what I'm saying? I I just don't see it. I, I don't I don't see it um, happening. I, I don't see Giannis leaving. I mean, look, we all said this about LeBron when he left Cleveland the first time to Miami. Miami's a very tough place to turn down. I think that's definitely um, a big issue, but I do want to shift gears here just a little bit because we'll talk more about Giannis and this, uh, you know, this 2021 free agency when we get closer to that. But right now, in my opinion, Milwaukee is the best defense in the Eastern Conference. They have the second best defense in the NBA behind the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, and quite frankly, you watch the tape and – what Milwaukee does that I think a lot of teams don't do in this league. You look at Brooke Lopez. He defends the two-man pick and roll. Fantastic. Eric Bledsoe always hedges the screens. Uh, Wesley Matthews, like I said, Pat Connaughton is great at blocking shots from behind. Guys, Milwaukee's bench alone could bring them to the playoffs as a starting five. It's it's just this team is too deep. They're too good at defense. Uh, I don't really think many teams in the East can handle. I don't think Boston can handle Milwaukee, as you guys were talking about last week with Alec Wall. Toronto this year without Kawhi Leonard, I don't think they can handle Milwaukee. Has Pascal Siakam taken the next step up? Of course he has. 
but I don't think there's enough around that team that could compete with Milwaukee this year because they got a lot better. What Milwaukee did was, you know, they replaced Malcolm Brogdon with Wesley Matthews. Yes, that's a downgrade, but you don't re-sign him because now you're developing DiVincenzo to be that guy, right? And it's going to be cheaper for less money. And now what they did was, you know, they brought in a Kyle Korver, a guy who can shoot. Kyle Korver is the sixth bench player in the game. There's five bench players that enter the game before Kyle. Milwaukee plays 11 players a game, guys. Now they add Marvin Williams to the frame. Like, this team's deeper than it was. And not to mention Robin Lopez. What was the problem with Milwaukee last year? Their front court was not deep enough. Now you have Giannis Brook, Robin, um, Urson, and Marvin Williams. And Marvin Williams. single one of those guys any one of those guys that team is loaded loaded you look at the backcourt it's Bledsoe it's Matthews it's Steven Chenzo it's George Hill it's Pat Connaughton it's Sterling Brown Sterling Brown doesn't even play D- DJ Wilson doesn't even play Thanasa Santacumpo doesn't even play Luke May is not even out of the G League yet <laughs> the team is loaded yeah loaded. no it's true no it's, it's, it's very no. tough um but, yeah, I do want to talk about the NBA, though, as far as uh, it will return on July 31st. That was announced yesterday. The 22-team Orlando tournament has been approved by the Board of Governors as of yesterday. Teams will play eight regular season games, and 13 Western Conference teams will be invited and nine Eastern Conference teams. This will include the 16 playoff teams as of now and six additional teams that are all within six games of a, of a playoff spot. Those six additional teams include the Portland Trailblazers, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings, the San Antonio Spurs, the Phoenix Suns, and the Washington Wizards. Which one of these six teams has the best shot at getting in to the 16-team playoff? I would probably I would probably say Portland, I would still say, um, because, I mean, you have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Well, I think it up in the competition, probably one of the best backcourts uh, in the NBA. No question about it. They obviously need help all around, all over. But when you have those two guys, especially Dame, no disrespect to CJ, he's very good. Looking at Damian, that guy's on another level. So I definitely think definitely a threat there. And then second, I'd probably say the Pelicans. Because Zion, when you saw when he's healthy, dude was on another level. And you saw Lonzo Ball uh playing a Brendan Ingram. They were all meshing together. Young team, but they were all starting to glue together nicely. And J.J. Reddy get better in presence over there. So I think those are the two more Blazers, but I would say the Pelicans are also like right behind them. I would say the Pelicans, for sole reason for this, and we've seen in the past with the Portland Trailblazers, that for some reason, it seems almost all the time it happens, whether it's regular seasons or playoffs, is that Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum cannot show up on the same night together consistently. It's either one or the other. If the one is dropping 35, the other one's only dropping 15, and it's not enough because the bench is not deep enough. They both have to perform on full cylinders, and if that what? means dropping 60 points, they don't. The they bench don't. is not deep enough. The bench is not deep enough. Do you know who they're getting back? They're getting Joseph Nurkic. Okay, that adds a center. That doesn't add a score. And Zach Collins. But, and has, they, that adds they, another they big have, man. Who, who's their third scorer? Carmelo Anthony, right? 
you're going to depend on Carmelo Anthony to drop. I mean, when he's your third scorer, Carmelo Anthony will most likely come off the bench. They're probably going to start Trevor Ariza at the three and then put Collins at the four and Whiteside, who's been starting all year, will be the five. You'll have Nurkic and Melo both coming off the bench with Nasir Little, Gary Trent, Anerfi Simons, who both of those guys were on the team for two years and learned under these other players. Uh, like Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, Pat Connaughton, all these former bench players that left Portland, Jake Lehman, Myers Leonard as well. That's deep. That's deeper than any other team in this format. Does New Orleans have a shot? Yes. But to discredit Portland, who was one of the final four last year, guys, the final four, to discredit Portland. And I mean, look, if I'm Memphis, I'm scared of them right now. I really, really am. I, this, I think this New Orleans team is too young. They haven't played together enough. Zion played for, what, 15, 20 games? And in 15, 20 games, he's already competing for Rookie of the Year, which I'm Right, at. but to take three to four months off and then come back, and this this team is very Health. young. That's where I Health. think. Yeah, but Fonz brought it up. Portland is one of the best backcourts in the NBA. They do, no doubt. But they both can't perform at the same time, and that's been the issue. That's why they haven't made it. To the Western Con- That's why they haven't made it to the finals. That's why Damian Lillard, they can't. You caught yourself there. You caught yourself there. I did catch myself there with the Western yeah. Conference Finals. But then they got sweeped last year in the Western Conference Finals, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. They got sweeped because if they can't perform on the same night, it's just not going to happen. And that's been the problem with this team for so many years. That's why even prior to last year, well, they struggled. And that's I what think- needs to happen until that. Listen. I'm one of the biggest Damian Lillard supporters there is. I love Best Damian point Lillard. point guard in the, in the league. And not, not better than Steph. I, I'll give you second, but not better than Steph. Uh, best, no, best, I did best all around point guard. All around. NBA. All, around. all around. I'm counting defense and like everything. It's, if it's, we're just talking offense, then I definitely think there's an argument for Steph. They yeah. might be one of the best teams, but if you're talking about questionability when it comes to health, you're talking about you know the advantage of what they have coming back. But what are they going to get when they come back? What is Joseph Nurk going to be? What is Zach Collins going to be? You know, if you're depending on what this, remember this Portland Trailblazers team wasn't even in the playoffs, and I'm not saying obviously all these teams weren't in the playoffs. But this is a team that we're banking on, and then including these other players back into the mix, that could cause some controversy with chemistry of play because they haven't played for so long. They've been gone with the same lineup for practically the entirety of the season. Granted, they've had three, four months off. You know, what is that team going to be? Uh, look, I understand that, and not to mention they're also missing Rodney Hood, who he will he will not be back no, towards ACL. Back. This season, uh, I believe he tore his Achilles or something. If I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to think now. The Trailblazers are only three and a half games back of the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. That's the only spot they could possibly take, guys. That that's the only team they'd be able to unseat. The, I, and to be honest with you, Kyle, you know you bring up a lot of good arguments about Portland. Their backcourt does struggle to for both of those guys to play consistently on the same night. But if they do both play consistently on the same night. And you add Trevor Ariza, a guy who has NBA championship experience. Joseph Nurkic and Zach Collins learned a lot last year. Carmelo Anthony's been around the block. That's I still think that's a solid team. And Hassan Whiteside, of course, one of the league leaders in blocks. I do think that's – it'll be interesting. I think the argument definitely, though, is Blazers-Pelicans for those top two. Not to mention the Pelicans also have J.J. Redick, a sharpshooter who's made the playoffs every single year of his NBA career. So – 
that streak will be on the line once this comes back. Other big news, uh, how the rest of the calendar year is going to work for the NBA. June 30th, training camp will begin for the 22 returning teams. So at the end of this month, July 7th, the teams will travel to the bubble site in Orlando where they will be playing. I believe they're going to be playing in Disney World, uh, <laughs> at least a lot of these games. Uh, July 31st, the regular season will resume play, so those final eight games. August 25th will be the NBA Draft Lottery. October 12th will be the last possible date for Game 7 of the NBA Finals, which is insane. They're basically not going to have a summer or a break now. This was essentially their break, guys. Uh, October 15th will be the 2020 NBA Draft. Three days potentially after Game 7 of the NBA Finals will be the NBA Draft. That's insane, thinking about that. How crunched is that, guys? That's insane. Three days after that, NBA free agency begins. You go from October 12th, Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Let's just say that happens. The 15th is the draft. The 18th, free agency begins. How much pressure is going to be on these teams? It's, it's a insane. lot, especially for first-time coaches or general managers or people in the front office. It's kind of like a crash course. Like, all right, boom, 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 boom. Draft is, all right, get your draft up. Who are we going to get in free agency? You got to get it all in the span of looking at okay. it a week. Like, literally, literally a week. It's just crazy. Let's go through the rest of that. Uh, November 10th, training camp begins for the 2020-2021 season. And then December 1st, the 2020-2021 regular season officially begins. And now I believe they're, they're going to get all 82 games in through that. It's going uh, like, to be like back-to-back. So you're gonna have, they're going to be there. Yeah. They're going to be there. And Russo brought up a good point. They're really only missing a month, if you think about it. Um, that's starting about a month later than when the season would normally start. I think yeah. hockey's going to have more of an issue than the NBA. Yeah. Because hockey starts, James, you you know best, it starts the beginning of October. Yeah. We'll I probably think. be following, I would imagine, some sort of same schedule as NBA. I do have two questions for you guys. Let's hear it. Um, regarding this finishing off 2020 calendar year of the NBA. All right. So, Tom, it says July 7th teams travel to the bubble site in Orlando. Then you go all the way to the 31st of that same month in July. Regular season resumes play. Do you think that's too long of a gap? The time they get to Orlando by July 7th, do you think they really should be starting the week after everybody gets there, not waiting all the way to the end of the month? That way, if you bump up, say, a week or two, you then bump everything up a week or two where – Game seven isn't ending October 12th. That way you have more time for the draft, uh, more time for free agency, and possibly more time before the new season starts. So you think the season should resume earlier is what you're saying? Yeah, I think if there, if what the NBA wants is everybody to get there by July 7th in Orlando, right. and then having the regular, those regular games start, on the 31st of July, I personally think they should start earlier. Here's and my have the playoffs start at the July 31st. Here's my problem with that, and I want the other guys' thoughts as well. Um, the NBA Finals typically ends the middle of June, right? Uh-huh. And the season usually starts the end of October. Uh-huh. So, right, you have about three and a half to four months off, typically, right? Uh, right now, guys, the NBA has had 
four months off. It's basically like you're starting a new season. That's what's basically yeah. happened here. They have to take a certain amount of protocol. They need to get these teams to the bubble site as soon as possible, and they don't want to start it right away because what happens if you have guys – you know, getting sick and whatnot. I mean, you know, you want these guys there for a while. They haven't been together in person for a very long time. So they have to play catch up themselves as a team because, you know, you can only do so much virtual, to be honest with you, that really uh, can compensate for that loss of time. I think this time preparing for that makes up for that loss of time because, you know, you could potentially see, like, uh, guys getting hurt if too soon coming back. Mm-hmm. I think that James, to, to be honest with you, it's I think it's perfect actually the time accoladed yeah. because June thirtieth is when training camp begins, so it gives you about a month to get your body back into shape, which in some instances might be too little. You know, you don't know what NBA players have been doing for these past three, four months, whether they're getting their bodies into shape or are treating it like a vacation. I'm not saying that is the case with some with some NBA players because we've seen it. You know, we're all on social media. We've seen how some players have chosen to take advantage of this opportunity. I don't know if you guys heard about it. But the GM for the Nuggets said that Nikola Jokic now has a six-pack. So he's taking advantage of this opportunity and training even harder and grinding even harder. But is that everybody in the league? No. You need yeah. to get your body back in the basketball shape in a month. A month, in my personal opinion, is the bare minimum you know, of what they can do. And you got to remember, some of these guys did get sick. Sorry, Kyle. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's, that, was, uh, that was my final point. I think it's the perfect amount of time uh, allocated for that personal um, – for training camp and allowing players to get back into basketball shape. I agree. I feel like I should be it's all I agree with both of you guys completely. That's a perfect time. Get the body right, get back into it. Cause remember they all of a sudden stopped without like anything slowing down. And it's like jump right back into it. Again, higher cause of injury. So I think a month is a perfect time. What do you guys think of the eight game regular season? I'm gonna be honest with you. I like it, but I I, I think I think there's a flaw in this system here. What do you guys think? I want to hear your thoughts first. I mean, for me, I mean, I the only, I mean, the only flaw for me is that it's kind of maybe, I mean, not really a flaw, but like since those eight regular season games, they'll probably count towards their whole season stats. I'm assuming, so maybe some players will probably have like more games played and more stats will be a little bit more different because they played in, you know, eight more games. Like someone on the Pelicans would get better stats if they played eight more games than say someone on the Knicks who played eight less games. That's my only little bug, like little thing that would bug me because not everyone got a fair chance to play all. Um, 82 or however long many games. But, I mean, other than that, it's fine by me. Here's my problem with this, guys. There's an eight-game regular season. The Charlotte Hornets are seven games back of a playoff spot, seven and a half. Why were they not invited? Because they want to keep an even number of teams, which ideally would make sense. I don't disagree with it, but there is somewhat of a flaw into the system. If you're going to have an eight-game regular season and not invite the Charlotte Hornets – uh, look, I'm not trying to say Terry Rozier and P.J. Washington, uh, Devontae uh, Graham, or Superman, but let's be real, guys. Is it fair to teams like the Charlotte Hornets? I think at this point, yes, because yeah. remember, they still need to get the season to end. And like you said, Tom, I mean, you don't want to do – you want to get it even and out with, with eight teams. You add a ninth. And to be honest, you're going to have to add a 10th, and that's 24 teams. And by that point, it's like, all right, you just got to add the rest of the teams because six teams yeah. out of it, that doesn't make sense. So I think eight's a good number. Yeah. You can even make an argument for uh, – what was it? We said uh, – you could even make an argument for the four teams doing a, like a little play-in just to get the tournament. 
Yeah. But I mean, I think this is a perfect amount. I mean, the Hornets just got the didn't get the cards drawn in their favor for this one. Yeah. And the Portland Trail Blazers were the only team to vote no on this format. Just a little FYI. Um, which we will talk about them within the coming weeks. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers for these last couple of minutes. They are the number two seed in the West, right? They were second in the West um, heading into this. No, I think they were first actually in the West, 49 and 14. Um, Pardon me. So LeBron James and AD, right, guys? Clearly two of the top five players in the NBA in the league right now, considering the injuries that we have this year to guys like KD and Steph. Uh, Who would – win a series against the Clippers. You guys think teams made moves at the deadline to bolster their lineups, but who would uh, take home that Western Conference crown if this matchup were to happen? I think, Tom, I think hands down the Clippers have the better situation right now. I think the only argument, well, two arguments keeping the Lakers in the conversation if the matchup was between those two teams would be one, you have LeBron James, and that always gives you a chance. You know, we've seen his playoff numbers. We've seen his final numbers where he's with the Cavaliers, and he single-handedly carried them on his back uh, to even somewhat of a uh, losing in dignity type of fashion in five games or six games, that one factor. On top of the fact, I think I brought it up last week as well, with the Clippers, that starting five lineup has only played a total of, I believe, like seven games together. So that's a that's a lack of chemistry there that, that might – see some faults in the playoffs or this type of scenario where you're in a situation where, you know, you don't have that many games to mess around with. You know, you need, uh, you need to be on your A game, especially under these circumstances. I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, I don't know what you guys think, but I, I really do think the Clippers would have, I mean, I get the point. Like the thing is LeBron, the older he's gotten, he's adapted his game very well. Uh, I believe he has over ten and a half assists per game this year. This is the highest number. I think of he leads. I think he leads the league in assists this year. Yeah, I think he does. Uh, I definitely agree. Shout out Jaden Daly for joining the live stream. Uh, play-by-play announcer. Um, does a lot of college basketball. So yeah, but back to LeBron. Uh, you know, that's a career high for him. Just under 26 points a game this year, and you have AD who has right around the same, just under 27 points a game. You have two guys that are averaging basically 26 points a game. And I think acquiring AD was great because this guy shoots over 50% from the field. For a big guy, he shoots really well from the charity stripe, 85% from the foul line, which is a gem for a guy who's seven foot tall. Um, I just really think that's a pair that's very hard to guard my concern with the Lakers is the depth that they have compared to the Clippers uh, I know I believe they acquired Markeith Morris correct at the deadline um, but the Clippers they went out they got Marcus Morris they got Joakim Noah I really think the Clippers are in a better spot uh, in the long haul here for this year yep it's also based on injuries well you know AD has consistently been an injured player throughout his career um, you Paul George as well. You know, I don't really consider Kawhi an injured player. He just had that one stint, you know, with the Spurs and the mishandling. Then he won an NBA championship that following season. So, but it's a, it'll be very interesting if that is the matchup come down the stretch. Yeah, I do think so as well. Now, Fonz, uh, Kyle yeah. Kuzma, yes. Ky- Kyle Kuzma is an interesting in- individual in yeah. this league. Um, he has a new role. 
Butch in his third season, third or fourth season, that's a career low for him. What is his role on this team in the long haul? Do you think eventually he gets back into that starting lineup, or where exactly does he fit in with this Lakers team? I, it's weird with Kuzma because, I, I mean, personally, I like Kuzma. I think he's a very good player. Uh, when he was first there on the team, I thought he was going to be like one of those building blocks to, like, obviously to build around. But when once LeBron got there, it kind of changed completely because you don't know. I mean, you see Kuzma starting at times, and you see him off the bench, and you see him in trade rumors, and you don't. He's like, no, we're not going to trade. We're going to keep him. He's a key piece, and it's like, oh, he could be the center of like a trade to a, a lower level team to be the star there. I like Kuzma a lot. I think he does provide a valuable role wherever he goes as the starter, or maybe even a backup for a team like the Lakers. It's going to be weird to see. I think this is going to be a good point for him now. I think this might be when his contract ends. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is contract year. Or does he have the option? I think he might have. I think he have one uh, an option year. I think he has one option year left. Is player option though, right? Player option. So I mean, listen, if he does really well in the playoffs in this season now, especially with this scenario, he can opt out and he can actually cash in very nicely because it goes, hey, this guy played really well in this short amount of time. I'm rooting for him because I do like him a lot, but I definitely think he can definitely has a chance to cash in this summer, being one of those not not first tier, but like one of those second tiers, like right after like the big stars like go sign, like he'd be like next in line. I I really like that point, Fonz. I think that's a guy that the Lakers should definitely try to keep as a long term investment, uh, considering LeBron's age, and I believe LeBron has two years left with the Lakers after this one. Um, now, one of my last questions here coming up is. Obviously, the Lakers would draw the Nets in this format, the Brooklyn Nets, which could potentially have Kevin Durant return. He just uh, said he, he actually just said, said it's he, not he just he it's literally just happen. as you were saying, yeah, he said my season's over. So sorry, sorry to ruin your point, Tom. But I fifteen just minutes ago, yep, yeah, there it is on my phone. <laughs> uh, Got to stay up to date with those tweets. So, assuming they get past the Nets, which will be very likely now without KD. Uh, I do think the Nets definitely have a shot. Any team has a shot, but, you know, it's definitely hard to not predict the Lakers in that matchup on paper. Um, then they, the Lakers would play the winner of the Jazz and the Rockets. That's very interesting because I'll be honest with you, I think Utah poses a, pretend, a potential threat to the Lakers, the addition of Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, per, I think Utah is – a better all-around team than Houston. I think Houston right now has two eggheads in their backcourt. Um, and then the, they have a small lineup. They don't have a big man. They don't have a big man that can guard Ruby Gobert. I think that's going to be a big problem in a series like this. I, I Personally, I think Utah is the one other team in the West besides the Clippers that could knock out these L.A. Lakers. I agree. I think Ruby Gobert is a, a two-time defensive player of the year. I mean, the – Who's the Lakers starting center now? I mean, you need the JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard. I think, think JaVale McGee's the JaVale, center. I mean, JaVale. Rudy Gobert's on another level then, of course. I mean, obviously you have LeBron AD. But then for Utah, too, you got Donovan Mitchell, who, I I mean, this guy, he's he's already been good so far. But I think this guy's going to take it to the next level, too. That combination is very good. You got guys like Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson in the rotation. Bogdan, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, who uh, – O'Neal. You said, too, Royce O'Neal's another guy, too. They have a very solid all-around roster. I think they'll give the Lakers a really good fight. I think the Lakers will still end up winning it, but I think it will be a very close series in what people would think. I don't think the Lakers are going to sweep by through everybody and get to the finals, no problem. I think they're going to have a lot of tough matchups now, especially with the 1 through 16 instead of the 8 and 8. 
I do too. I really do too. And the last point I'm going to make, guys, the Lakers don't have as big of a window, in my opinion, as people think. Obviously, you have AD there as the centerpiece, but how long will LeBron and AD be together? That's the big thing because I'm going to be quite honest with you guys. Look at the statistics. You look at this roster top to bottom. The Lakers do not have one single player signed past 2022 currently on their roster. And I think they're missing a legit point guard. I mean, yeah, you could say Rondo. LeBron's not really a point guard, guys. Rondo was, you know, on the wrong side of 30, and I, they don't have a legit point guard, and that that concerns me. LeBron can only – I don't want to say Alex Caruso, too. I don't want people to say that he's a legit point guard. Alex Caruso. Um, yeah. I, it's going to be very tough for the Lakers to be relevant – past the next two to three years at this magnitude that they are now. Like, they might still be a playoff team, but a top-two team in the West. I think the Lakers are in a very scary situation. They're in a win-now mode four years from now. I don't see me talking about the Lakers as a top-two team in the West. I still think the Clippers might be, but not the Lakers. That's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on that before we sign off? You made a very good point with that with the Lakers. I would be. I mean, they. It also depends what happens with AD after this season. He's, he's a free agent. That's also a thing too. If they if they make a deep run, they don't win, but he could still sign in and be like, "Yeah, we're we're still having this tight knit group. We can make another run." They get knocked out by like the Jazz in the second round. They could he could easily just walk away and cash in with another team. Yeah, under the certain format though, I think he'd give it another year because they wouldn't obviously be under these circumstances with harder opponents so early. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. I definitely like that. Next week, we'll talk more about LeBron James. We'll see where he ranks on our all-time NBA player rankings. And then we also want you guys to ask us in the comments feed, DM us on Instagram, message us on Facebook, on our social media accounts, which teams you'd like for us to talk about next week. We really appreciate everybody tuning in to our show tonight. We're going to have the championship round between me and Kyle Russo next week. Fonz and James will be asking us questions. Oh, boy, I'm scared. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for watching our live stream tonight. On behalf of Fonz Falco, Kyle Russo, James Montefusco, I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, wishing you all a good evening. You've been watching Review and Preview here on Facebook Live. Good night, everybody.